All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's already been a good day, hasn't it? I mean, you got the kids up here. We got people being baptized. Let's, let's give it up for our kids again. Good job. Kids City, a whole bunch of them were uh, a part of uh, our Backyard Bible Club, first through fifth graders, and uh, it's just good, 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 good. Uh, my name is Dave Ferguson, and I'm the lead pastor, and uh, I'll tell you, here's what I want to start today. Um, what do you picture? What do you picture when you hear the word kingdom? What do you picture when you hear the word kingdom? I'm, um, I think a lot of us, when we th- hear, maybe hear kingdom, we think of things like we think of wealth, and we think of power, we think of authority. I might get even a little more graphic. I kind of think of castles. I think of servants. Lots of exquisite food, right, in a kingdom. But here's the one thing I think about when I think about a kingdom. A kingdom is a place where the king gets whatever the king wants. Kind of sounds good, doesn't it? Or maybe when I said, when I said say kingdom, you think of... Um, Self-proclaimed King James, James uh, LeBron James. Anybody think of that? All right, this guy's got a kingdom. He has a kingdom worth three hundred million dollars. Now, when he was on the Heat, I kind of it was easy to hate the guy. Now he's doing commercials with his kids, and he's making me like him. His king. He just he recently I read he recently just sold his seventeen million dollar mansion in Miami. Imagine what that could get you in Cleveland. Right, probably about half the city. Right. 70, and he actually has a whole bunch of cars. You should see his, his, his kingdom includes a car collection. He has a $140,000 Mercedes. I think we got a picture there. Yeah. That's, that's the one he leaves on the street. Then he has a Bentley Continental, a Porsche 911, a Ferrari 458, and a Rolls Royce Phantom that's estimated somewhere around a half million dollars. Here's my kingdom. That's my, my 2005 Honda Civic. Hey, you're making fun of me. Did you see that? It's got a spoiler on it. How about that? A spoiler, huh? Yeah, thank you very much. That's exactly right. Well, today we're starting a brand new series. It's called, um, it's called, it's called we're talking about kings. It's called Thy Kingdom Come. And it's from, the, it's from the most popular Bible verse, or by a prayer in the Bible. And it's the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to put it on the screen here. Let's just, let's just go ahead and just say this out loud together. On the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Just a small segment. One, two, three. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right, I want that to kind of sink in. I want you to really wrestle with that. Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. What does that even mean? What does that really mean, thy kingdom come? Well, if it's true that a kingdom is a place where the king gets whatever the king wants... Right? That's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a place where the king gets whatever the king wants. Then maybe the kingdom of heaven, maybe the kingdom of God, is a place where God gets whatever God wants. The kingdom of God is a place where God gets whatever God wants. Now, now when you say God gets whatever God wants, it kind of makes him sound like a, like a cosmic kind of narcissist, doesn't it? But that's not the case at all. Here's the reality. The reality is this. That every single one of us, we serve someone or something. Every one of us, either consciously or even subconsciously, we serve someone or something. At the end of the day, you may serve every one of us in this room, outside this room. We may serve career advancement. We may serve wealth and possessions. We, we, may, we may bow down to power and influence. It might be a particular relationship. Or maybe the thing we go after, the thing we really serve is just constantly making sure my body and every part of me just feels good. But all of us, consciously or unconsciously, 
We serve someone or something. And that king, okay, that king gets whatever that king wants. Now, here's why we have to pay special attention to the life of Jesus. Listen to me on this part. Because what he does, and we get to see it in the Gospels, is he gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to actually live out the answer to the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He showed us how to live what life looks like when God gets whatever God wants on earth just like it is in heaven. Now I want to give you a quick snapshot and I hope you'll be here for all four weeks of the series. Here's where we're going to go real quick. Four weeks from now, or three weeks from now, which will be the fourth week of the series, we're going to actually talk about how Jesus fed the hungry. Here's why. Here's why. This is important. Jesus knew that if the king, okay, got what the king wanted, that one in eight people who go to bed hungry every night in this world, tomorrow night would go to bed with their stomachs full. If, right, because we have the resources on this planet, if the king got what the king really wanted. Week three, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about Jesus forgave the unforgivable. See, Jesus knew that King God wanted a kingdom where revenge and prejudice, sexism, racism, hatred, they're all banished. And it would be a place where friendships and marriages and families and, yes, entire communities and cities are never fractured, never divided. A kingdom of forgiveness, where that rules, that's what the king wants. Next week, we're going to talk about this, how Jesus healed the sick. And Jesus healed the sick because the kingdom, his kingdom is a place where pain and suffering, instead of being perpetrated or perpetuated, are actually eliminated. And so throughout the series, we're going to take a look at what Jesus did to say, no, I want to make sure the king gets whatever the king wants on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're going to start by talking about his teaching. Because he taught about kingdom living. And he became the answer to that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? And he picks this up, and we can find it in in Matthew chapter 3. You can follow along the screen if you have a Bible app, pull your Bible app. If you've got an actual Bible, you can have an actual Bible, either one. They all count. (laughs) All right? And here's what he says. I'm just going to read this to you, then we're going to come back to it. These are what they call the Beatitudes. And this is some kind of very unconventional kind of thinking as you're going to discover here. He says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be rightly related to God, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they are going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let that kind of sink in. I mean, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Seriously? Seriously? Jesus' teaching here is so unconventional. What he taught, and and the people who first kind of received it, heard it, I mean, it was completely unexpected. Now, you you know what conventional wisdom is, right? I mean, conventional wisdom is is just this idea that kind of goes accepted without question. 
It's just kind of a widely held belief that everybody kind of, it's just, it's true, because it's true, it's conventional wisdom. Um, conventional wisdom, let me think. Um, conventional wisdom, don't spit in the wind, right? That's a bad idea. We don't have to do it. We just know that's a bad idea, right? Conventional wisdom. Uh, conventional wisdom in Chicago is don't get stuck on the Eisenhower between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., right? There you go. Conventional wisdom. We just know that to be true. Don't question that. That's, it just is, right? Conventional wisdom. It's unquestioned wisdom. No debate about it. But sometimes conventional wisdom ends up missing the mark and ends up being dead wrong. Let me give you a couple examples from uh, kind of contemporary history. If we go back to 1899, this, this kind of cracks me up a few of these. 1899, a guy named Charles Duell, he was an official at the U.S. Patent Office. He said, you know what, the U.S. Patent Office, it needs to be closed down. We need to close this thing down. You know why? Here's what he said. He said, everything that has been invented, or everything that can be invented, has been invented. 1899. That was conventional wisdom. 1943, Thomas Watson was the chairman of the board of IBM. IBM, here's what he said. He said this. He said, I think the world has a market for maybe about five computers. <laughs> I got that many in my house, right? Daryl Zanuck, conventional wisdom. Tw- head, he was the head of 20th Century Fox. In 1946, he said this about television. He said, television won't be able to hold on to any market it captures after the first six months. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. <laughs> Yeah, that TV thing, pretty much of a fad, right? <laughs> pretty much of a fad. Now, I mean, I, I got a hunch, too. You know, if I was born in the early 1900s and somebody was suggested, hey, what do you think about a, 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 a horseless carriage? I think it's a brilliant idea. A horseless carriage? Are you kidding me? A horseless carriage? How's it going to go anywhere? You got no horse and just a carriage? It's not going to move. That doesn't make sense. That would be conventional thinking, right? But here's the problem with conventional thinking. The problem with conventional thinking is not just that sometimes this widely held belief is wrong. The problem is that sometimes, even after conventional wisdom is proven wrong, we still hold on to it. And so this was why Jesus, when he taught the Beatitudes, conventional wisdom back then taught, conventional wisdom back then, when Jesus was saying this, taught this, that those people who were poor, diseased, you figure this out, bottom of the food chain kind of people, they were unacceptable to God. Conventional wisdom. Therefore, conventional wisdom taught that power, wealth, possessions, that should be your ultimate goal. And if you get power, wealth, possessions, then that meant you were blessed by God. You were then living the blessed life. Are you tracking with me? Give me a little nod. That was conventional wisdom. But then Jesus comes along and he takes this word blessed and I'm just telling you, he, just, he spins conventional wisdom on its head. I want, to, I, want to, I, tell you what, I want to look at it again. Let's look at this again. Let's go through it slowly. But I'm going to re- use a different translation this time for our purposes. Okay? And I want to talk about conventional wisdom and then what Jesus said. And I want you to wrestle with this. Conventional wisdom, even today, says this. If your life isn't working out, if, if your life isn't working out, then there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. But Jesus says, now you're blessed. You're actually blessed when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there's more of God in his rule. Jesus is saying that sometimes even when life is really difficult and hard, that's the time when God shows up the most profoundly in your life. And guess what? In that moment, you are what? Blessed. Kind of unconventional, huh? He, 
conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says you can't really be happy unless you get everything you want. All right, we just get, you just did a Monday through Friday and then a little, maybe a little break on Saturday. Going after what you want, what you're striving for. But Jesus says, now listen, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I mean, that, that's kind of a head-scratcher, isn't it? Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says contentment. Contentment comes, this will be a good one for us, Naperville, suburban life. Contentment comes when we have more, we achieve more, we gain more. But Jesus teaches now, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That is the very moment that you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Kind of unconventional, huh? Conventional wisdom, even in 2005, says this. We've got to pursue what makes us feel good, what makes us happy. Chase after our desires. Satisfy every appetite. Jesus says in 5, 6, he says, no, listen, here, here's the blessed life, people. Don't, don't just chase whatever makes you feel good and whatever your heart says. No, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Check this one out. Conventional wisdom. I think this is true. Conventional wisdom today says caring for others. Be careful because it could leave you tired. It could leave you exhausted. leave you overcommitted. Don't want to get too involved. Try to find a balance. Enough that looks good. But don't go too far with this thing. But Jesus says, no, you're blessed when you care. It's at the moment of being careful that you find yourself cared for. Jesus is actually saying that when we leverage our own power and our own resources for the sake of others, that's when we find God. It's kind of unconventional, isn't it? Conventional wisdom says this. Conventional wisdom says image is everything. You've got to find the right friends. You've got to find the right school. You've got to find the right career. You've got to find the right neighborhood. And if you can do all that, then everything falls into place. And Jesus comes along and says, no, you're blessed when you get your, look at this, your inside world, your mind and your heart, get those put right, then you'll see God in the outside world. <laughs> Pretty smart stuff, isn't it? Conventional wisdom today even says, you know what? You got to fight back. You got to prove your point. You got to get revenge. Jesus says, no. Count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Even give a cheer. For though they don't like it, I do. Unconventional wisdom. Who are the blessed ones? I want you to wrestle with this. Who are really the blessed ones? I'm telling you. Because Monday through Saturday, you get bombarded with a different kind of conventional kind of thinking. But who are the blessed ones? John Ortberg Terrific author. Um, I love the stuff that he writes, but he says this about the Beatitudes. Check it out on the screen. He says, the Beatitudes are designed to shock, okay, to jar us, to shock people into realizing how the blessing, the good life, that we all drive ourselves crazy and frantic and busy trying to grab a hold of the good life, the really good life, life in God's kingdom, is available to anyone who wants it through personal contact with this man, Jesus. And what he's saying is you can have the good life. You can have the hashtag so blessed life. The problem, here it is 2,000 years later, and many of us, too many of us still buy into the lies of conventional wisdom that we get sold Monday through Friday. 
I think here's the question. I want you to, at the outset of this series, here's the question, the crucial question, every one of us, myself included, we've got to answer this question. Do you want to establish your own kingdom where the king gets whatever the king wants? Or will you let God be king and experience the blessed life as a part of his kingdom? Does that make sense? Are you going to keep on buying into conventional wisdom of trying to get what you want, but instead are you going to do this unconventional thing and say, you know what, no, no, I realize it doesn't work that way. If every person is trying to get what they want, it doesn't work. What we all need to do is all of us together say, you know what, what we want is we want the blessed life, and I want to work to make sure that the king God gets whatever king God wants. That's the blessed life. And I am absolutely convinced, thoroughly convinced, the core of my being, and I believe the scripture teaches this over and over and over and over again, that God wants to use you, every one of us in this room. When he birthed you, he birthed you with a dream. And he wants you to br- use you to bring good into this world. And when we begin to follow Jesus, who did exactly that, because he said, I'm going to live to make sure King God gets whatever he wants here on earth, just like it is in heaven. We begin to follow him. We, be- we begin to do the same thing. Let me, let me give you a couple of unconventional stories. One of them right here at Community. Con- conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom would say that when you suffer a tra- traumatic loss, you grieve and you suffer... And you know what? There's really not much hope beyond this life if it's all about your kingdom. Um, As as many of you know, um, some of you anyway, last December 23rd, Chad Cook. Chad was uh, was 21 years of age, uh, played Division I college basketball, grew up here in this church. Um, He came home um, right before Christmas, had dinner with his family. Him and his brother went over to Lifetime Fitness, and he collapsed, and he died there. Uh, it was a tremendously sad day in the life of this church. I would say, personally, one of the saddest days of my life. We've been really good friends with the Cook family for, for years. This past summer, I sat at their kitchen table with, with my wife, Sue, and then Jim and Lori, his dad and mom, and also Emily, his, uh, his girlfriend, who was going to be his fiance. While still grieving, I watched them give birth to what they call the Chad effect in his memory. To give birth to a not-for-profit that was going to exist to inspire hope in the next generation because Chad was just this inspiring, positive, go get them, overcome obstacles kind of kid. So then in July, I got to volunteer at the Chad Cook Basketball Classic. I was sponsored to raise money for scholarships they were going to give to kids who inspire hope in other kids. And I'll tell you what, I was so moved, so inspired as I walked out of that house after sitting at that kitchen table, listening to them give birth to this, that their courage to make sure that their pain, okay, was going to exist for somebody else's gain. That their pain would exist for somebody else's gain. And don't misunderstand me. I mean, they're mourning, they're grieving, there's tears every day. But here's the difference. They're kingdom people. And they believe this unconventional wisdom that says, blessed are those who mourn. I've never felt God be so close as he is right now. They believe the unconventional. We don't grieve like the rest of the mankind who have no hope, as it says in the epistles. But instead, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe he will rise again. We will rise again. Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom would tell you that um, you always improve your status, right? That's a no-brainer. If you're poor, you get rich. If, If you have less, you get more. If you're powerless, you've got to get power. Last January, um, I, was in, I, was in, I, was in, um, I was in Nairobi, Nairobi, Kenya, Africa. 
uh, visit a couple partner churches there. And I got to visit the, uh, the slum of Cabrera. Cabrera is the, um, the largest slum in Nairobi. They, actually, they, they, they guess that it's probably the largest slum in all of Africa. About a million people live there where they lack all the basic services like electricity and clean running water. And there's very few schools. HIV runs rampant. Unemployment sky high. And, and it, it was heartbreaking to walk through there. That was during the week. But then on Sunday, I went to Nairobi Chapel, the church there. And I will show you this next picture. What impressed me most is I saw 31 people, men and women, get up on those stage. And they were being commissioned to go plant churches in Kibera. Most of them grew up there and had now got an education. But guess what? They weren't moving on. They weren't moving out. They weren't moving up. But they were staying right there and saying, guess what? We're going to use our little church buildings to make sure that these kids, we're going, to have, we're going to start schools so the kids can get an education. We're going to make sure that as best we can, we can feed the hungry and we can heal the sick and do everything we can to make what? Heaven come to, what is it? Heaven come to, that's exactly right. Why? They're kingdom people. Let me tell you one more. Right here at Community. Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says that once you have enough money that you can, and you can afford it, you buy a bigger home, right? You save up your money, you got a little home, now you got a bigger home, and then a bigger home. A few years ago, four community families influenced by Jesus' unconventional teaching decided instead of buying a new and bigger home, that they would actually stay in their modest home. And then buy, uh, buy one of these. Now, why would they buy one of these? Well, actually, they bought this home in East Aurora, each of these homes, in partnership with an organization called Emanuel House. And what Emanuel House does is they find families that are kind of in working-class poverty who can't afford a home. And because these homes are already paid for, they allow them to move in. They collect their rent for two years. After they collect this rent for two years, then they give it back to those folks so they can go buy a house of their own. Kind of unconventional, huh? Who do you think feels more blessed? The person who bought the bigger house or the person who's able to buy a house so other people can have a house every two or three years? Here's the challenge today. And this is going to be the challenge of this series. I'm really excited about this series. I think this is a series I need. I think it's a series we need. And here's the challenge. Don't buy into conventional wisdom. So much is just plain wrong. And I think what Jesus challenges you to be is be, be kingdom people. Let's all together say, we're going to help King God get what God wants. I'm going to be a part of bringing heaven to earth. And every day, in big ways and small ways, I'm going to ask God to show me what it means to live out his unconventional wisdom in his kingdom and have the blessed life. Let's pray. Father God, Never let us be people who just pray this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But with the same kind of fervor that we might pray that prayer, let us also be people who answer that prayer with our lives. That we live under the blessing of your kingdom, striving to give, make sure that you get what you want. And that your kingdom here on earth is just like your kingdom in heaven. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.